Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in depth with Baylor leaders, professors and more discussing important topics in higher education, research and student life. I'm Derek Smith and today we are visiting with Kenyatta Gilbert and Malcolm Foley. Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert serves as professor of homiletics at the Howard University School of Divinity. A 1996 Baylor graduate, he's an author and nationally recognized expert on African-American preaching. Dr. Gilbert is the son of the late Reverend Robert Gilbert, Baylor University's first black graduate in 1967. His father was recently honored on the Baylor campus with a statue, along with Baylor's first black female graduate, Barbara Walker. Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert founded The Preaching Project, inspired by his father. The Preaching Project is a ministry aimed at equipping ministers to better serve African-American churches and communities. Also joining us today is Dr. Malcolm Foley, Special Advisor to the President for Equity and Campus Engagement at Baylor. In this role, Dr. Foley facilitates engagement and interaction with and among the many diverse members of our community and works collaboratively to develop initiatives designed to foster a welcoming and inclusive campus for all. He earned his undergraduate degree at Washington University in St. Louis and a Master of Divinity from Yale Divinity School before coming to Baylor for his PhD in religion. He also serves as Director of Black Church Studies at Baylor's George W. Truett Theological Seminary and pastors at Waco's Mosaic Church. Really excited to have you both on the program today, Dr. Gilbert, Dr. Foley. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Good to be with you. Great to be with you. Well, it's excited to have you both on the uh, on the program today. Dr. Gilbert, I'm sure you've got this question uh, a lot since the unveiling of the statue or even since the news that the statue was uh, coming. But how did it feel? How does it feel to see the statue unveiled and to, to, to see your father now as a permanent part of the Baylor campus? Yeah. So, uh, again, I grew up in a household where I had mixed feelings about Baylor based on some of the commentary that I'd heard as a as a child and um and just you know thinking thinking about um the pioneers uh, throughout American history and how uh his his legacy now is being preserved in a context uh that's not only historically white but uh a, a space a university setting where um where there is a push or there is a start of just sort of being a little more self-critical about the uh, its legacy and uh, the intentionality uh, about that uh, really has been uh, hope-inspiring and and so um, to be the most honest that I can be right now. <laughs> is in that moment, I could not take it all in because I knew that my task was to, to give some, uh, some discourse around uh, both gratitude and also challenge to those who were, uh, were present. I know um, that my family's reaction to it uh, was much more, um, um, they were much more engaged in the moment uh, than I was. And so, so coming, you know, even reflecting back, uh, I, uh, I still, because my, my trip was so brief, uh, I still hadn't had the opportunity to just sit with it, uh, which is somewhat what I'd like to do um, as an individual without the distractions of cameras and, you know, and a lot of the commentary that happened on that day. 
So, so my, my, my hope is actually to get back to Waco uh, whenever possible, just to sit with that moment. Well, deservedly so. Hope you get that opportunity soon. But you, you mentioned, you know, the responsibility of making remarks and a challenge. And you gave a, a moving uh, speech at the dedication. And I'm curious, as you, uh, as you share that, was it easy or was it difficult to come up with the words that you wanted to say? Um, well, I would say this. I was somewhat providentially, I think, prepared for it. And um, a book was released by Baylor University Press written by Ryan Andrew Newsom or Newson, uh, entitled Cut in Stone, Confederate Monuments and Theological Disruption. And Baylor asked me to, to provide an endorsement for that book. And as I read through it, I was like, I was very um, uh, intrigued by what he was trying to say. Um, and I think he did a, a, a wonderful job of just painting the picture of how um, communities and persons think about um, how they preserve how they preserve the past and, and what they choose to remember and not remember, right? And uh, and so I think his expose into this this whole notion of of com Confederate monuments and sort of how they re-inscribe um, um, racism and uh, beliefs about citizenship and religious freedom and, um, and try to chart a vision that will have influence beyond the present, beyond the present moment. And how when those things are challenged um, as being uh, a, a whitewashing of history or not even thinking about how these depictions uh, mm -hmm. further enslave, at least in, in the minds of those who had been deemed subordinate or inferior uh, historically, how those things often um, perpetuate a thing that, um, um, that has theological implications. You know, what are you saying about God when you're trying to preserve uh, a legacy where folks were um, held in bondage. Um, was that the heyday <laughs> of, of your uh, glorious past or uh, is, it, is it something that you lament as a wrong uh, toward humanity? And, and so, um, so my, 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 if I were to title anything uh, for that message, I didn't even think about the title until I actually started speaking it. Monuments do matter. They matter um, no, no matter what, uh, um, what, no matter what the uh, um, um, uh, implications are for um, the larger group. I think when you when you think about uh, again these these imposing these are now in very imposing um, uh, monuments on the campus of Baylor. Um, and it's not, it's not um, coincidental that they are in front of the religion building for one, right? So there's a theological, um, 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 there's a theological uh, communication there. It's not lost on me that my father, when he was uh, funeralized, he was funeralized in Waco Hall, which is adjacent to 
uh, Tidwell, the Tidwell Bible building. And it's not lost on me that the statues themselves face the Judge Baylor statue, or at least the Judge Baylor statue is, you know, um, adjacent, but somewhat in front of these, um, um, these um, um, statues of my father and Mrs. Barbara Walker. And, and so, you know, thinking about it symbolically that way, as you sort of make that pivot around that, that perimeter, uh, you get a sense of history in a different light. And I think that that was uh, very important. And it will be very important for others to see um, as long as Baylor exists. You know, and Dr. Foley, you've been doing a lot of work on, on this side, on the Baylor side, uh, as it relates to uh, more completely telling our history and, and honoring yeah. people like uh, like Reverend Gilbert and Miss Walker. And, you know, and I'm curious, as you look at that, what, what role do these statues play uh, in your mind in, in, in that work and, and what's still yet to come? Yeah, so uh, to, go, to, to go back to some of the things that Dr. Gilbert was saying, I think there are there are there are two things that these that these statues um, can symbolize. It's it's both it's both a moment of celebration, but also but also moments of a, of a lament because we I mean we celebrate particularly the achievements of these two individuals, but we lament the fact that this was necessary at all. Um, we lament the fact that you know for for 118 years of Baylor's history, it was an explicitly segregated institution um, that's that specifically kept black people out. Um, and, and that, like, that's something that is, those are, those are years of the building of the building of a particular culture through, through, through policies and practices that are, that are meant to keep people out. And that's, and that's fundamentally unjust. And so as we, so as we seek to, as we seek to look forward, particularly as an institution, the goal has to be to become a more just and equitable institution, one where, one where, one, one, one where folks are not only welcome but also have an opportunity to shape to shape the institution um, to be to be those things. So so this so this this particular work with the statues came out of came out of the work of the of the commission that we did on um, on historic campus re representations. Um, I had an opportunity to serve to serve on that commission, and one of the but one of the recommendations that came out of it was actually the recommendation to to erect these these statues. Included in that is also um, because because the purpose of that commission was to investigate particularly Baylor's history with with slavery um, and and the and the ways in which Baylor's own Baylor's own wealth was founded on slavery and all these kinds of things. Um, one of the other one of the other recommendations um, was the uh, or was the formation of a of a monument to the or a memorial to the to the enslaved who built who built the original campus. Um, done done in the middle of founders mall to recognize hey these are actual these are these are founders of the university who mm -hmm. who have been who have been who have been historically uh who've been historically ignored historically exploited and also and also historically uh ignored and so and so what's on the horizon is uh we're doing we're doing we're, we're doing planning for that for that work um but we also want to make sure that all of this is in all of this is in the context of what I call the the three R's of reckoning, reckoning, repentance, and reconciliation. That that is, which is which is in many ways the narrative of the gospel. It requires a reckoning with our sin. That is a that is a flat out rec a recognition of it, a recognition of its evil, but also repentance from it. That is turning away from it 
and toward the Lord and toward our neighbor and and ultimately and and ultimately reconciliation that is that 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 Christ has created a new community that bears witness to actual justice and equity um, as an institution I, that like that's something that that's something that we can that we can that that only happens if we intentionally work towards it um, and so that comes with both that comes with both uh, symbolic gestures like these monuments, but also, but also, but also, kind of a reshaping of the way that we of the way that we operate with one another, um, so that people can actually. Once again, it's like the the you know the change to, for example, admitting black students. That's one move, but it's it, but there's but there but it it takes another it takes another level of effort for particularly mm. black students, faculty and staff to actually feel like they're a member of the community, not just not just this kind of not just this kind of uh, <laughs> ornamental add on, so to speak. Mm. Um, and so and so that's the kind of work that's the that's the kind of work that we're that we're that we're continuing to be engaged in. The statues are statues are great, beautiful, world class. I mean, Ben Ben Victor is an amazing, amazing sculptor. Does amazing work, and he and he was and he was and he was wonderful to work with too. And this was a particular project that he was really that he was really excited about because he saw the significance of it. Um, but you know, even if even if one word, I mean, if one word to ask him or me or uh, uh, or Dr. Gilbert, it, it, the you would I think you would always come come away with the understanding, hey, this is a good this is a good piece of a of a broader of a broader work. Yeah, very visible piece of that, but uh, more to do yeah. as we visit with Dr. Malcolm Foley and Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert. And, you know, Dr. Gilbert, I'm going to ask you some questions here about your father that uh, probably no way to summarize adequately in a short amount of time, but sure. we uh, want to get to know your your father better. And I think when people see the statue, it's going to tell some some stories about him, a man who carried physical burdens and the burdens of of, of being a trailblazer. Could you tell us you know, just just tell us a little bit about who your father, the man he was. Yeah, so my dad um, was uh, a devoted father, do devoted family man uh, first, and um, was deeply, deeply committed to uh, both the church as well as uh, the church's work in society. And um, I thought his perception of, of what is required to do justice and to do that in a way that um, is courageous as well as loving. Um, I saw him really wrestling with um, how best could he be a humanitarian? How best could he um, uh, both hold uh, folks accountable for, um, for their claims to Christianity or even claims to uh, being fair um, and being um, uh, being uh, politically progressive how how best can I hold them hold folks accountable but at the same time how can I be um, a person who uh, empathizes with um, those who would do uh, better uh, and be better human beings toward other human beings, but um, would need some uh, some steering, some direction uh, in which to go. And so I thought he was a very unusual man, <laughs> driven, 
um, despite his um, disabilities, um, I knew very early in life that he was committed to, to ministry, committed to people. Um, and that was, of course, not lost on me. I did not want to be um, a minister at all. <laughs> that was not on my uh, agenda. <laughs> um, I saw what, what he endured, you know, um, from childhood. And I saw um, how he stood out because of his disability. You know, from the time I was small, I saw his health progressively de uh, uh, degenerate. And so um, he was on crutches and then um, he eventually uh, was wheelchair bound. And then um, I ended up, my brother and I had to begin to uh, lift him from his bed to the, to the car, you know, and it just seemed to be a very routinized sort of childhood um, lost in some ways, just because of the caregiving role that we had to assume. And, um, and reflecting back on it, um, what seemed to be uh, what seemed to be at the time uh, in our in our um, I, I guess in our teenage years uh, an, uh, an overtaxing burden um, ultimately uh, became a way in which we ourselves be became um, more empathetic with. Um, humans who have some limitation, some, um, some obstacle or challenge, be that um, physical, emotional, what have you. And so, and I'm not so sure, you know, given my own um, uh, 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 thinking about my own life, I'm not so sure I, I would have the same empathy uh, if I had not taken care of my dad uh, in the way that I had. Um, and your father dealt with arthritis even as a very young man and a variety of things. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Severe arthritis. Yeah. Very severe. Uh, his skin shed. He had um, um, both rheumatological arthritis and psoriatic. So, you know, his his skin would be inflamed and, you know, his his wrist would be, um, his, his wrists were frozen and, um over time, he had difficulty eating, but he would feel he was very independent. And so he did not want anyone to feel burdened by taking care of him. And so he ate by himself. He tried to brush his teeth. Um, um, the only thing he could not do was he was immobile in terms of walking, but he could talk. He could um, uh, uh, he could preach and he would. And he and his jaws were frozen, and a lot of people didn't know that he could barely open his mouth. But he was a, an amazing, amazing singer and preacher. And um, um, the I don't know if you know May Jackson, but May Jackson was uh, an amazing leader in in Waco uh, as well. And she did an interview. She had a, a show called Minority Forum, and she had him on that show, and. She told him that he looked well. <laughs> he looked well because he, despite his physical limitations, there was a light in him that um, when you sat with him, you began to see the human. You didn't see his limitations as much. Um, and there was just something about something about that that 
um, about the way in which he conversed and um, engaged you, and you just sort of, his, his limitations were irrelevant <laughs> in some ways. Um, and though he, he, you know, gave him tons of medications in the mornings, in the afternoons, in the evenings, so that he would be, his pain would be alleviated so that he could do what he needed to do. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't know how I got into that, but <laughs> that's, that's just sort of, you know, the ritual of, you know, a child having to care um, for a father and just the sacrifices my mother made um, to uh, make sure he was able to do what he felt called to do. Um, so, so, so yeah, you know, this, you know, as an adult now, um, it's hard to believe that I'm, I'm 48, he died at 50 and I'm as close to, you know, that age now. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how much he accomplished in the short time he, he had on earth. And Waco was his hometown as it is yours. And he served, you know, his limitations didn't keep him from serving. He was pastor at Carver Park Baptist Church among many roles. What, what did you learn about serving the community from what you you saw from from him and the various roles that he undertook? Yeah, yeah. The, the, that You can accept no excuses uh, for not doing what God uh, calls you to do. And in order to manage the workload that... Um, is given to you, um, you uh, you need God. You need grace. You need you need the things that um, that are transrational um, that sometimes don't make sense. Um, you need to have a sense of of care for uh, other other people. Um, love has to be um, foundational in 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 the way in which you you do life. Uh, if if your life is to to matter as it um, has been purposed to to matter, uh, so so uh, you know um, I think I have I have that commitment. Um, often I you know um, I shoulder a different sort of burden because I'm not physically limited as he, and also share in. Uh, um, um, his footsteps in some ways um, to carry some of his commitments forward and then uh, reimagine what mine are uh, and um, and and also do that separable from uh, from what he uh, was committed to in the central Texas region. Um, I see my platform expanding in a different way um, educationally um, um, ministerially and um and i and i try to pay that 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 forward by investing in the future just as he um, did for so many um young and aspiring clergy and students um so he was a path he was he i mean you know in terms of pioneering uh it was not just about him this is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert and Dr. Malcolm Foley. And as we head to the final uh, few moments of the program, you know, I wanted to ask you, as we uh, appreciate you, Dr. Gilbert, painting such a beautiful portrait of your father. And, and Dr. Foley, you've got to work with the families, uh, the uh, the extended Walker family and, and the Gilbert family. And I'm just curious, what, what, what does that meant to you as you've got to know them and uh, play a role in shepherding this process? 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity I had to even just to liaise between, uh, you know, between, between Ben and the, and the families. For me, it's, for me, it's, it's actually just been a continuous inspiration. Um, I mean, to learn from, to learn from, from, from Dr. Gilbert, particularly, but also, but also Ms. Walker, uh, not only, not only to learn of their experiences, but also to be continually pushed, pushed by them. Um, because, throughout this entire process, at least I felt just a deep, I mean, a deep responsibility to not only, um, you know, to not, to not only do, do, do justice to Reverend Gilbert's memory and to, and to, and to Ms. Walker's life as she continues to live it. Um, but, um, but I also throughout this process didn't, didn't want it to be communicated as just kind of a one and done just a one and done situation. Um, the gravity of the gravity of this of this of this particular act, as I, as I said before, is is important. But 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 all but all the more important, and this is something that I that also comes as a result of being of being of being constantly pushed by 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 Dr. Gilbert and, and others, um, is to be reminded that this is a that this is that this is a piece of a broader of a broader project, a broader a broader desire for the university to become, uh, like I said, to be to be to be a more loving, be a more loving institution, which is like, which is which is, if we think about it, kind of weird language to use because generally when we think about institutions, we don't think about we don't we don't think about love. We think about we think about, uh, especially if we're thinking about businesses, we're, we're just thinking about kind of business continuity. Um, but 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 if but if we're if if we're as a university to have the ambitions that we do. To be a Christian, to, to be a preeminent Christian R one institution, like that, that 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 not only that not only speaks to um, kind of the kind of education that we that we engage in, but it has to, but it but it but it has to seep into it has to seep into the very the very way that we operate. Well, Dr. Gilbert, Dr. Foley, I really appreciate you both uh, taking the time to, to visit today. And I think you've painted this picture very well, but I want to ask you as, as we wind down, you know, as Dr. Foley mentioned, uh, you all worked very closely with uh, with Ben Victor and in, uh, in what these in, what these statues would look like both families did. And we see the the image of your father as as a man, uh, you know, trailblazing, caring physical and in uh, burdens of, of trailblazing. I'm just curious as people Dr. Gilbert, take a look at those statues as they visit. What is it that you hope they see, think, and, and feel as we close out today? Yeah, I, I, I want them to, to know that, first and foremost, God, God matters, right? And, and, um, and that the power of faith um, can help you to overcome any and every circumstance that you might find yourself um, challenged by. Uh, I want them to know that education matters and that um, if we are mindful of our historical path, uh, past, we can actually do something of consequence for the future. And so when folks pass by those statues, um, I want them to see themselves, right, um, as um, pioneer, pioneering in their um, generation, and if um, and if those things, if those if those representations mean anything, um, I, I would hope that um, 
over time, they're, they're not ignored, but that folks can take an inspiration from, from two lives that have been uh, incredibly uh, lived. Well, Dr. Gilbert, Dr. Foley, I really appreciate your time today and all the work you've done to, uh, to bring us to this point in the work that will continue. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Baylor Connections. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great. Wonderful to uh, wonderful to meet you uh, both and to visit today. Again, Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert and Dr. Malcolm Foley, our guests today on the program. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections. You can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us today on Baylor Connections. Baylor Connections.